This is the best of two pros in a cup of Joe with LeVar Arrington, Brady Quinn, and Jonas Knox on Fox Sports Radio. Obviously, it is Combine Week in the NFL, which is a smokescreen season. A lot of uh, rumors are thrown out there, uh, maybe trade conversations over a couple of bottles of wine at uh, St. Elmo's Steakhouse. It's St. Elmo's, right? That's the name of the steakhouse? St. Elmo's. Prime 47 doesn't get enough love, too. That's a great spot, and it's where you'll see a lot of the, uh, the front office brass in the NFL as well. So mm. basically, anybody who couldn't get into St. Elmo's goes to Prime 47 or whatever uh, it is. I, I wouldn't even say that. I, I would actually say that some people choose to go to Prime 47. Wow. And it's, by the way, it's not a bad decision. Yeah. So both both uh, good, both great spots. Now, which one, now, if you had to say which one was better, which would you uh, go with? Uh, well, I'll, I'll put it this way I think Prime 47 gets more of the late night crowd. Uh, I, I'm yeah, just I'm saying, saying, from my experience <laughs> and, and, and their bar, how it's built out, okay. it's got a little more capacity. To be the spot. <laughs> okay, oh, that, wow. That, uh, all right, that makes I like how, how eloquently he put that together. <laughs> he's, yeah. he's better yeah. than us. Uh, something yeah. tells me uh, LeVar and I would have uh, you know, just gone straight we to. We would have butchered that one. Oh, up. yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. yeah if, you're look, if you're looking to uh, to go home with something, uh, go to 47 or whatever oh, it is. Oh, yeah, wow. Like, I wasn't saying what? that. Yeah, I'm just, uh, no, I'm just, like no, a you, doggy bag? Yeah, like, I don't what know. What do you mean? What are you talking hey, about? by the way, is that an old school reference, doggy bag? Because I've used that before. Nobody knows what the hell I'm talking about. You know, people get offended by that, too. Like, why? Why why would you reference my child um, in terms of you getting a a doggy bag why can't it just be your leftovers that's what see we uh, we called it doggy bags growing up and i thought it was because whatever you didn't eat you would take home you to give the it dog. to your dog is correct that, okay. that's exactly I, I believe, what it is for i believe it was derived from that in particular like diners places like that so i think that's where it was derived but now it's now it's called what just uh, to go food or taking food yeah. to go yeah no, it's not as good. I'm, you know, we're, I'm going to start bringing back doggy bag. I'm going to. I, I never stop. I never stop using it. <laughs> Te- technically, the actual to-go bag itself was uh, it was invented in 1949 by Al Meister, I believe is his name. Yeah. Huh. How the hell yeah. would you know that just off the top of your head? I, I looked it up. Well, what kind of Wi-Fi do you got there in Denver? It's fast. I mean, <laughs> again, it might be high. But it's it's fast. Oh, that's oh, that's I unbelievable. That. I, I, I yeah. picked up on that. Okay. All right. Well, this is <laughs> just right. a couple of class acts here. Uh, a little, a little bit of the crazy. So you know. so basically, what Brady's saying is he has high speed internet. <laughs> yeah. Internet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well done, sir. Well yeah. done. Yeah. Smoke them if you got them, <laughs> folks. Uh, mm-hmm. All right. So here's the as we transition from uh, doggy bags to a potentially uh, awkward situation in the NFL. Uh, so Tom Brady is retired. Right. He's retired. And we've talked about this. I mean, it's just weird that people keep discussing the fact that Tom Brady might actually come back and play after he finally announces that he's retired. And then Bruce Arians, uh, his former head coach, uh, was on the NFL Network with Andrew Siciliano, who was making the rounds uh, during Combine Week yesterday. And um, he had uh, he had this discussion with Andrew Siciliano about whether or not uh, if Tom Brady wanted to come back, say in like August or something like that, uh, well, how that would be welcomed by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. What if in August, if that light is still on, he decides that he wants to come back and you went and found someone else? That other guy's number two. 
No matter what you paid for. Nope. No, Tom Brady's coming back. He's back. So there is a sentiment, however, that that's how, if Brady wants to play, he would play the scenario. Not to make uh, you guys look bad, no. but say, let you guys move on, and then when I do want to come back, you guys are stuck. No, that ain't happening. That's not Tom Brady. You don't think he would do that? No, not in a heartbeat. What if he asked for a trade? Nope. Not going to trade him? Nope. Bad business. <laughs> bad business. I'm not trading the best quarterback ever. So there's uh, I mean, there's this discussion. It's a valid point. Yeah. Like, it, it, it's, it's very similar to where the Packers are at. Where they're being very outspoken about we're not trading the back-to-back MVP because they don't want to look dumb for doing that, right? And, and that's if what you look. That's what yeah, you are. And, and if you're Bruce Arians <laughs> and he wants to come back, you, you roll out the red carpet, you welcome him back, you know, open arms, give a big hug. How about this, though? If there really was a rift, which, and Jonas, I know you feel like there was something here, but before you get to where you feel like this is falling apart, all Brady has to do is wait another year or two. I mean, do, are we expecting Bruce Arians is going to coach that much longer? No. I, I was surprised he was coming back this year, to be it, honest with you. If there was a rift, I'm just saying, he could wait a year or two with the way he keeps himself in shape, his, his regimen, his diet. He could just wait it out. And then Byron Leftwich maybe would elevate to that position. And next thing you know, you've got the guy he was working with on those game plans that – were quote unquote red penned that created this whole frustration or this fracture that's no longer there anymore. I mean that that would potentially be a thought there, would it not? Um, the whole thing feels weird. I've I've thought the entire retirement, how it went down, just felt weird. Uh, felt a little bit off brand for Brady. Um, and this isn't even just because of the way it was announced and the, the leak that came out. And there was like, no, 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 we haven't made a decision yet. And then it was like, you know, you got Jeff Darlington and these other guys that are getting attacked for, oh, well, you guys don't know what you're talking about. It's like, well, no, they had, they had pretty good sourcing on this. It just seemed like it came up in a hurry. And I don't know at what point during the season Brady just decided I got to go. But he was talking earlier in the year, if I remember correctly, you know, why would I stop playing now? You know, uh, you know, I'm going to be, uh, you know, 45. That's my goal. Why would I stop there? And then all of a sudden it just popped up. Uh, well, you know, he actually may walk away at this point. Feels like something happened later in the season. And whether it was the Antonio Brown drama, whether it was him just getting, you know, annoyed with the fact that uh, maybe certain members of the coaching staff weren't putting in the putting in the hours that he was putting in i have no idea but it just has never sat right with me the way this whole thing went down which is why the fact that this is even still being talked about the possibility of him coming back um and, and playing again it just feels strange to me something's People off about don't want to let go like that's that's it, listen Br- brady had things to say when he was in new england so did his wife you remember, I can't. Th- he can't throw the ball to himself. I mean, there were frustrations that were were stated while he was in 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 Boston, while while he was with with the Patriots. The, the, sometimes complaints come out when you're as high profile as Tom Brady is. Things are going to be speculated about. I, I just don't think that I would venture to say more often than not. It's not going to be the situation is not as in dire straits as people may think it is or may want it to be or assume it to be. I just think that people are trying to figure out if Tom Brady really is like that's the root of all of this. Like we could try to go to if was there discord? What and can he wait Bruce Arians out? 
the bottom line is the only reason why all of this is relevant is because nobody seems to be accepting the fact that, well, his retirement may really be his retirement. I think people are are still wanting or hoping or believing or thinking that he's going to play. And that drives all of this. It's no different than Aaron Rodgers. It's just not really perceived as dramatic or as chaotic or as adversarial. And 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 what's funny is, I mean, it comes across if if what you're saying is correct, the logic of what you're saying, Jonas, it's it's really kind of no difference than what Aaron Rodgers' situation is, but it's just he's he's announced that he doesn't want to play anymore. Are we getting to the point where we see more players as they age and as they get older that they they are essentially are running the team? Yeah. At least maybe even offensively. And and you're looking at it now as not to take anything away from what that head coach has done, but the impact of what they do is lessened and lessened only as that player becomes more of a coach in the field. And I, and I don't think that's as far-fetched. And I think sometimes the best head coaches, they know when to push, push their finger on those buttons, and they know when to let off. I, I think Bruce Arians tends to be the type that's going to ride a player, regardless of who they are, like he did when Tom Brady was with them for two years. I mean, let's not act like he didn't say things publicly at press conferences oh, yeah. that weren't flattering Tom Brady at times. Yes. And, and, and almost used it as you know a motivational tactic maybe, which is also something that we kind of heard Bill Belichick do to a degree, but it's not the same as, as Bruce Arians because he's a little more outspoken. So I kind of sit there and listen to it, and I just go, I'm sure there's a degree of Tom Brady going to Tampa, knowing what he was getting himself into, and then after a couple of years after winning a Super Bowl, maybe just saying, man, I just don't want to deal with this anymore if, if this is going to be the reality of it moving forward. And by the way, with your point on players in the NFL that, you know, want to kind of do it their way towards the end and, and basically run the show, it's similar to the NBA when guys, you know, do these super teams. Or they want, yeah, 100%. The Lakers. You know, I don't if anybody has a complaint about that in the NFL, they shouldn't, because that's the league where you get drafted into a situation. And we're going to talk about the Saquon Barkley situation. Like you get drafted into a crummy spot. You're there. And as we talked about it, when it comes to how long they can hold on to you or how long you can be under contract with the team they can basically hold on to you for what up to seven years if they want to use franchise tags and everything else yeah. depending on the position so, so if you get to a point to where you finally can can do something the way you want to do it why the hell wouldn't you exercise that right like like who who wouldn't sign up for the fact no no, no i want to go play in this climate i want to go play with this team and that roster and if you can make it happen why wouldn't you want to make it happen a la brady aaron Rodgers, and some of these other guys like russell wilson who have wanted to do it you know, it, it always comes down to egos and credit. And I think one of the things that's amazing in watching sports, especially when you're talking about super, super, superstars, is for some reason, and it gets highlighted most in those moments where you have a superstar that's a part of a team, or maybe multiple like we see in the NBA. Like I always kind of go back or harken back to the Miami Heat when LeBron chose to join up with Bosh and D. Wade. It was like Pat Riley knew how to orchestrate that whole thing. Like, he knew how to just kind of, like, bring it together and then provide what they needed at times, but then step back. And, and there's instances of that, I think, in the NFL and football, too, where, like, go back to look at Peyton Manning. Once he joined the Denver Broncos, 
you know, John Fox was like, all right, I'm going to take my hand kind of off this thing, right? And it got to a point where they're like, well, no, they need a little more guidance in, in how you go about doing this. Like, it's been record-setting. It's been prolific. But they need a little more guidance. And so they bring in Gary Kubiak in one year's time to win a Super Bowl. And so it, it's just funny to me that you have head coaches that sometimes want to get so involved <clears throat> or micromanage, and you just go, dude, just step back. You, you'll know the right times to kind of push those buttons or provide the feedback and advice they need. But other than that, you, you've got Peyton Manning. You've got Tom Brady. You've got Aaron Rodgers. Let them go. Let, let them run the show. Let them, do, let them be the coach on the field that they've earned over the course of their career at this point in time. So, I, and we've always heard that about Tom Brady, too, as far as how he prepares, you know, how he handles things on the field. I wouldn't be shocked at all if he didn't go down to Tampa and kind of get tired of it being the same thing to a degree of what he dealt with in New England. And also when Brady's talked about um, just how he's he, – he admitted this, I think it was this offseason, or might have been during the season, where if he's speaking publicly or talking to the media, he's not going to tell you exactly what he feels because he knows how that can be construed, how that can be – he's more of a – if we're going to have a conversation about something real, let's have it behind the scenes. Well, Bruce Arians doesn't care. Like, he just doesn't care. Like, he talks to the media, and he lets it all fly. I just wonder if that also bothers him. Like, why can't – because Belichick never really aired Tom Brady out in public. He never he never aired Tom Brady out. For all his faults and whatever their relationship was, the only time he ever put anything on Tom Brady was the Deflategate stuff because he was tired of answering questions about it and said, go talk to the quarterback. And one of the reports that came out afterwards is that Brady felt like he didn't have his back in that moment. Well, Arians, multiple times in less than two years, called him out for interceptions, called him out for poor play, uh, uh, you know, gave him criticism when the offense didn't perform well in certain games. I just I, I wonder if Brady just got fatigued by that whole thing, if he just got worn out. So uh, who knows? But, hey, uh, you know, at least it's not Jameis Winston and 30 picks. So there's that, um, you know, for what it's worth. Uh, all right, <laughs> He's uh, back, though, baby. He's rehabbing. He is. Yeah, yeah he's, he's running, running again. Be sure to catch live editions of Two Pros and a Cup of Joe with Brady Quinn, Lavar Arrington, and Jonas Knox weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. All right, so we were seeing these reports that were coming out yesterday about, man, oh, man, uh, we've got momentum. It is building towards an agreement on a new collective bargaining agreement in Major League Baseball. We are going to have a season. They set a deadline. Uh, Apparently, we're not going to miss games. And then, oops, all of a sudden yesterday took place. Uh, The owners uh, gave their quote-unquote best and final offer. The players rejected it, and a commission Rob Manfred, who is uh, very, very popular, very well liked by everybody involved, uh, he uh, went on to say that the first couple of weeks, our first couple series of the Major League Baseball season have been canceled. So here we go. Major League Baseball is back, folks. Can't seem to get it together when it comes to the financials, and people are waiting around to figure out when this season is going to start. Nice work, guys. Everybody I, involved. I, I hate pointing fingers, but you have to look at the facts of, of, of how – any work stoppage happens, okay? In a lockout, just for, so people at home understand this, okay? The owners are locking out the players. So if there's one side that pushes it to this point because they don't like the deal and they want to come back to the negotiation table, it's the owners. That's how it happens. If the players didn't like it, it'd be called what's called a strike. So you've got the owners who have decided to lock out the players, which brings us to this point now. And then there's this 
fictitious deadline that they set that, you know, it, they don't have to do what they've done. And the more you read about <laughs> everything that they propose to the players, they basically locked them out for how long? Was it two months? And then they, they set a fictitious deadline. And then late in the night, they're trying to change all these things that they originally proposed. Almost acting like, well, it's 12.30 a.m. The players are going to be tired. They're not going to see us slipping this in, slipping that in. They, they thought they were slick. And you've got players now who are coming out telling stories of how dumb they looked. It's just, it, it's, it's surprising to me because I feel like not that baseball, it's obviously still a major sport, but they've gone through work stoppages in the past, and I really feel like it's hurt their brand. I feel like it hurt their relationship with the fans. But this is an instance where, you know, it, it shouldn't hurt the, the relationship with the players and the fans. It should be more about the owners. They've mismanaged this entire situation. Manfred's a terrible public speaker. I mean, he, was, he looked awful, <laughs> awful yesterday trying to answer questions as to how it didn't work. I mean, I, I don't even know how to describe. <laughs> he, he, he almost looked like, like a Simpsons character. Like he was so, he was like trying to laugh it off and, you know, make light of it. But the reality is he's the one that's imposing their canceling the first two series. It, it, get back to work on trying to find some sort of way of making this happen right now. Instead, the, the two sides just walk away. But it's largely in part because of the owners and their fictitious deadline. I'm just, I just, when, when I hear of situations like this, the first thing I start to think of are the check the check players. And, and I, I just, you know, you feel for them because there's going to be collateral damage. And, and I always feel like when there's an owners versus players situation, the owners tend to, well, I don't, I don't want to say what I, you know, in terms of what I believe as a fact, here's an opinion, but I believe that ownership looks at the fact that you have way more players that need to be working than players that can say, you know what, like, let's hold the line. Let's be, you know, let's, let's, let's be together on this. Let's, let's make it work. Um, and and that's why you you start to, to to experience so many conflicts. Then then you also have the the court of public opinion, as you just mentioned, Brady. And it 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 it, it is reality to say that a lot of times you have to look at the decision makers and say, okay, you know, how do you make this work before it gets to the the point of where there is this lockout. And and the fans will be upset with the players, and they'll be upset with the players because you know what. We know what players make. We publish what their salaries are, and and we see the largest contracts, and we see hundreds of millions of dollars, and fans get upset about the fact that how can you not figure out how to be on the same page when all this money is circulating from organization to, to players? So there's a lot of complexities that get get stirred up and created when these types of situations take place. Like I said, though, my concern is there are guys that that need 
to to be working because this, this is their job and whatever it is that they generate in terms of their income um, yeah. is based off of them being well, able to play. It's not it's not signing bonuses or anything like that. It's their game checks. And they're the ones that are, in my opinion, they are the ones that are most impacted by this stuff. Remember, they only made 30 percent of their pay in 2020 due to covid. So the players, especially the ones you're talking about, are still feeling that. And, and I believe the union, they've been drawing on its reserves, you know, preparing for this possibility. Yeah. Because um, and I, and I think they realized through the COVID negotiations and just trying to get that season going, they're like, this is going to be a problem in a couple of years. So now they're getting a monthly stipend of, of 15000 uh, for April. So the executive board's going to determine the next steps, but they're in a tough, tough situation. And um, you know, they'll collectively lose. I want to say I saw a number for each day of that, like 186 uh, regular season schedule. They'll lose like 20.5 million, yeah. I think, is the total of revenue that they'll miss out for every day missed. It's also, you know, the stadium workers, uh, the people that, you know, didn't get all Them those as home well. games. Absolutely. Uh, and the, they had to deal with COVID. Look, uh, you can uh, – Brady knows this being in Cleveland. Man, once LeBron left and the Cavs were bad for a couple years, that, yeah. that the venues outside this the arena there, I mean, suffered. Struggled, big, man. Yeah, because those, that was their when – that, when that traffic is through, you go to Wrigley Field, all the bars around Wrigley Field, all of that traffic that comes through after a game, they're seasonal as it is – Imagine getting a portion of your season now cut into it. It'd be like a Christmas tree lot that's only open, you know, for two weeks as opposed to the full month before the holiday. It just so all those people are getting screwed. What's funny about the whole thing to me is the is the so blatantly obvious PR tactic by the owners to where they come out and they give everybody hope and everybody optimism that something's going to get done the next day. They let everybody know, hey, you know, we feel like uh, we're making momentum. They they manipulate the media members and all the people covering. The sport to run on Twitter and try and give everybody hope when the players are sitting back going, hold on a second. This isn't anything better than what we've been talking about, but because they got to the media first, then when it comes back after the fact and a deal doesn't get done, there's people out there that are outraged because they think maybe the players are being selfish. It's just so blatantly. It feels like politics. It's so blatantly obvious what is happening. Like the financials. I mean that 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 is way above you know my uh, you know my mental uh, you know capacity as far as what the numbers are going to be and what the you know the taxes and all this stuff down the road, but the the blatant PR move by the owners just tells you where we're at with this whole thing. It's just, it's comedy through and through, but you know, I mean, a season's going to get done, right? I mean, they're going to have a season. It's just, now they're going to meet later on this week. It's going to be in New York uh, and they try and hash this whole thing out. Um, they're missing the first couple the, series of the season. That, yeah. That, that, that's not when I, I don't feel like they feel pressure until the, the, the TV money and those contracts feel pressure which I believe they don't start losing money until 25 games are missed. So that's kind of that key number in mind as they keep pushing back or maybe you know, cutting off portions of the season. And by the way, they can make up these two series. 100%. 
They could figure this out. <laughs> they could make it up. They could play Easily. you know, some double headers. Yeah. They could do that. It it's all depends on if you know, the, the owners are willing to come back to the negotiation table instead of sitting on their hands right now and acting like they can't be negotiating. There's nothing that says that right now they couldn't be going back to the table negotiating to get a deal done. It's their fictitious deadline. It's their fault for putting the players in this position in the first place by locking them out. It's that simple. It's so a, what's the that's what's the end of it then? What like the uh, and everybody? I mean, well, you're, you're see not aware. Playoffs. You're aware now. What you're, say you're again? going to see expanded playoffs? That's one of the things the owners greatly desire. That um, minimum I mean, salaries is another minimum big salaries, one for the players. Yeah, I mean, there, there's there's a there's another thing kind of going both, going both ways, but. Uh, I think much like it was in the NFL. I mean, it's just it's finding more ways. So, for example, we all know the postseason rates higher than the regular season. That's in every sport. Doesn't matter if it's hockey, baseball, football. And so, if you can expand the playoffs, it's only going to try to line the pockets of the owners, you know, better. And it creates probably bigger games, bigger events for even all the the you know local markets as far as what they're raking in. So that to me is one of the biggest tipping points. But the minimum salary for the players is, is obviously something they want as well. Be sure to catch live editions of Two Pros and a Cup of Joe with Brady Quinn, Lavar Arrington, and Jonas Knox weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. Hey, I'm Doug Gottlieb. The podcast is called All Ball. We usually talk all basketball all the time, but it's more about the stories about what made these people love their sport and all the interesting interactions along the way. We talk to coaches, we talk to players, we tell you stories. You download it, you listen to it, I think you'll like it. Listen to All Ball with Doug Gottlieb on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Right now, we turn it over to Petros Papadakis. Not only is he the co-host of the Petros and Money Show on the Blowtorch AM570 LA Sports, uh, he is also a Fox College football analyst. Uh, he is a reggae aficionado. Yeah. Uh, he loves the movie Colors. And yeah. on top of all of that, you've now added, what, an LA Kings consultant slash analyst uh, to your resume, Petros? What's going on? Uh, good morning. Uh <laughs> I had to do uh, I had to do some consulting for the Kings. Yes. <laughs> okay. well, I don't know why everybody laughs. It was like a it was a real consulting job. I hate everybody so much. No one takes me seriously. <laughs> I take you seriously, I pops. Uh, but yeah, I had to consult for the Kings on Saturday night. What did you consult them? Yeah, about? what were you consulting? Why is it so shocking? What was the advice you were giving? They built a remote studio. It wasn't even for the Kings. It was really for Bally Sports. But they built a remote studio for Angels, I think, when baseball, when and if baseball ever starts. And they needed somebody who does remote broadcasts a whole bunch to check it with the producer hmm. while there was a live game going on. So... I sat there and called a period of hockey, which I called a quarter. That will never be heard by anybody. It really kind of sounded like me going like, and there is a hard surface in this arena. It does not look like I'd want to fall. And uh, I still don't know what icing is. But anyway, we tested their equipment. How about that? Like, right when you think you know well, uh, everything about Petros. 
He's a man of many talents. Yes. Trust me. Yeah, I've well, witnessed guys, first hands. I have to land the plane for Fox Sports 1. I'm very grateful to do it. But I land the plane for Fox Sports 1 on Friday and Saturday nights in a remote studio. You know, somebody's got to see New Mexico lose by 30. <laughs> wow. And then watch Arizona get beat up on Saturday hey, night. Don't yeah. sell yourself short. Uh, Carson Strong, you are the, you've seen more Carson Strong games than anybody in the country. So yeah, that. and then Brady said he had a spaghetti knee, and no one's ever heard his name again. <laughs> I mean, I'll see him here coming up in a few hours at the uh, NFL Combine. I, maybe I could act like I'm a doctor for a team, Petros, and like pull on that knee and see what it feels like, you know? I know one of the doctor guys. I know one of the guys that's in the building with the that pulls on everybody. Oh. <laughs> that was one of the worst moments of my life, boy. Yeah, well, you know, you, you don't often get the guy put both feet on your chest and then pull your arms off. Yeah, that's true. They definitely do. Uh, <laughs> touch yeah. all over you at that place. but yeah. That was my consulting job. Uh, a lot Jonas. of hernia checks. That's weird. Uh, I don't yeah, know a lot of coughing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cough. All right. Why does every doctor have to give me a hernia check if that guy already checked off on it? I don't understand. <laughs> oh, oh, man. Got the whole hand in there, Doc? <laughs> <laughs> interesting. Hey, hey, you had a watch on a minute ago. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, but I did I did my consulting, and that's uh, I think their machine works. And I went on the pregame show. Can, can we ask you your thoughts on baseball and how you view all this whole thing, and if we ever get it started back up again? Oh, they'll get started because at a certain point, you know, people are broke. But <laughs> I don't uh, I don't uh, I don't have a lot of patience. I don't know what the percentage is of the people that listen to us that really want to know about a collective bargaining agreement and the different kind of way it breaks down. I think there's a lot of fatigue for that, especially post-pandemic. It's been pretty difficult for people. And, I mean, does it really matter who plays? I mean, people just want to go to the ball game, right, and get a hot dog and give their money to Major League Baseball. But a lockout's a lockout, and you have to have an agreement to play. And it goes like that with a lot of different lines of work. This one just happens to be a lot more interesting to people. And it's a little bit more of a toy department lockout as opposed to teachers. Or I mean, I remember when I was a kid in Greece uh, in the summers, they used to take us to Greece in the summers, which is, I mean, talk about a fish out of water. I mean, I had enough problems living here. And then it was like, hey, for the summer, we're going to go to Greece. Everybody thinks you're even more of a freak. And, uh, well, and, uh, are you? Yeah. I mean, I, but I just remember, uh, I just remember, uh, just the protest. There was constant protesting in Greece. I mean, constant in, in everything the cab drivers, the trash collectors the air traffic controllers. I mean, it never ended. And they were always marching, always chanting, always freaking out. And there was always some service that wasn't available because of that. And it's probably because it's the cradle of democracy and and, and a lot of those things. I think it's very common uh, throughout Europe. But uh, it's interesting because it's basically the same thing. They're trying to make a deal between the workers and the the governing body of, of whatever 
the company is. This one just happens to be a lot more interesting to people, and it's funny to watch Max Scherzer storm away and into his <laughs> Ferrari. You know, or like Max Scherzer eats Cool Ranch Doritos and the MLB Network has a Dorito poll. I mean, it's... <laughs> it, 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 I mean, for me, uh, do I make any more money when they play baseball? I don't think so. Maybe because of commercials. Uh, I know my boss does. But overall, I I don't know. Back to my original question to your question, what is it, 10% of the fans that understand the luxury tax and all of these different things that Jeff Passan talks about with the Rage Against the Machine record behind him on ESPN. He's so edgy, man. It's like, are you kidding, dude? <laughs> are you, you might as well put a Red Hot Chili Peppers album back. You dork. <laughs> you effing dork. Anyway. Wow. I don't know how much people care. People just want to go to a ball game and drink a michelada, or as Joy Taylor tells us, a michelada. A uh, michelada. <laughs> hey, hey, Pops, can I hairpin turn on you and go to a, to a sport that, I mean, people do pay attention to a little bit more than baseball? I don't um, know, LeVar. I work on the Dodger station in Los Angeles, and you're, well, on, that's the Do- fair. you're on the Dodger station right now, and it is the, most, it's the most visited sport on earth. What, what would, now, what, I will say this, What would though. Don Martin say about that? Though? My man, uh, you better <laughs> let, let the little Bar really, really got a little loose there. <laughs> My bad, Don. And I'm in New York pop. speaking. I don't know if you know that. I'm in New York. I'm on a panel. That's so good. Talking radio. It's so good. It's so. Do we have a drop of Don, by the way? Because if you can hear the comparison, it's oh, so good. Man. You can get him on. He likes to go on the radio. You guys should get him on tomorrow. He's in New oh, York. I'm up early. <laughs> now, I bet you he could do a great I- imitation of you, too, because you guys have similar voices. No, when, anyway. people talk, when people do an imitation of me, it, it makes me sound like uh, like I'm a dying de- goose that has nothing to say. Mm. It makes me sad. A dying goose with nothing to say. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm going to attempt to ask this question. Go ahead. I'm sorry, LeVar. It's no worries. You um, asked me to do an Im- impression in the middle of the question, though. Yes. If you yes, check the it, tape. It was good. It was good. I mean, it w- it was worth it. And and so, and and speaking of worth it, was it? I, I've always had a thing for dads or parents or spouses. Any like I can handle a spouse, but when a dad comes out and speaks on on players, uh, you know, especially where their sons son has played or whatever it may be, I tend to take a little issue with it now. Larry Fitzgerald Sr. comes out and calls Kyler Murray selfish. I have interviewed him numerous times. I am a fan of the Fitzgerald family. I'm a fan of Sr. and Jr. And he's a media guy. And he is a media guy who gets paid to to give his opinions and and writes, has written for Minnesota for for a very long time. But even, even so, even being media, is this a shot at, at at Kyler Murray based off of a personal a personal feeling? Yeah. Uh, or, or do you feel so? It's just simple. It is a yeah, huh? Wouldn't it be? I mean, look, but I it's not new. Like I heard about Kyler Murray at Oklahoma. Okay. I heard he was kind of aloof and not maybe a typical quarterback personality, so to speak. And I heard the same thing in Arizona, actually, right before this whole thing came out. 
I heard from somebody I know very well that's very close to that that franchise about what was going on and his general attitude around the place. And so I wasn't really surprised by it. Now, what does Larry Fitzgerald's dad need to do about it? <laughs> you know, I don't know. Isn't that a meme of uh, Odell Beckham's dad looking all swole and mean? All, uh, around? <laughs> like, you know, I mean, there's a lot of dad stuff. And usually it's toxic, to be honest. I mean, it, it, it almost always is because... I, I mean, my little brother just had a baby, right? Uh, Congrats. Congratulations. Yeah, and he's 13 Uncle years old. Uncle P. Yeah. <laughs> I got a few. Uh, <laughs> Does your voice make him, the baby cry? I haven't. I've yet. What? See, I'm not also that Jeez. person. I haven't I, gone. Uh, I would be scared if I was a baby and her pet pops his voice. I mean, she, I would it, be. It, it Sorry. Is, you, know, you would be surprised to know then that, that my nickname is Mr. Child. Oh, And Mr. I am Child. very, very, very popular. With, with the kids. With newborn babies and oh, children, okay. yes. I, I actually like babies, but since I haven't been invited over there to see the baby, I haven't showed up, you know. Huh. A okay. lot of people just invade a new baby, and it creates lifelong resentment with the uh, with the woman. Oh. <laughs> so I usually just wait. Uh, okay. but the, her name is Yoko, though, which is oh, interesting. Oh, it's a girl. Okay, yeah. Yoko. Yeah. Uh, okay. But uh, anyway uh, – and my brother's like fawning over the baby, like taking a thousand pictures, you know, doing what you're supposed to do mm-hmm. when you have a baby. And I was really that guy, you know, with our first child, you know, I, I acted like a complete jackass. I showed everybody pictures like, you know, people that I was buying like a bottle of whiskey from. I'd, I'd show them a picture of the baby. I just could not <laughs> stop. And uh, it was and I look back on it and I think I was just like a raving idiot, you know, like Jimmy Stewart. And it's a run- wonderful life. And I think that's really how most dads sound when they're talking about their kids. I think it takes a tremendous amount of control uh, as a public figure or a father to talk about your son who's a public figure or your daughter uh, or, or, or a mom and sound uh, rational. So generally when you do it, even if you're a media guy, I don't think you're seeing through the same eyes as everybody else. Right. And, and I, I think it's really difficult. That is uh, like it says in the, in the Bible, it is uh, harder for a camel to get through the eye of a needle than it is <laughs> for a dad to talk about his kid in the media and sound like he's a, a person with half a brain. Uh, right. Petros, yeah. uh, before we let you go, we got about a minute here. But That's I just, a good answer, I, right? I, yeah, yeah, great answer. Um, I just wanted to get your thoughts because I know you're, it's very near and dear to your heart uh, on a serious note. Um, just the state of the Lakers. Uh, oh, just, gosh, uh, you know, I just hate to see it. I just, <laughs> just hate. Let me tell you something. When they lose... <laughs> I hate it when they lose and the game is a national game. You know why? Why? Because I can't put it on the local TV on every TV in the house so it (laughs) replays for three days until the next game. (laughs) So what I like to do when the Lakers lose, especially when they lose by 30, is I just leave it on on every TV in the house (laughs) in different spaces. So you might get the Lakers compacto, you might get the pregame <laughs> oh, show where they're all man. excited and James Worthy's like, today's the day. I think they're going to do it, you know. <laughs> and, then, and then you get the game where Stu's like, and there's another turnover by Russ on the Lakers basketball network. <laughs> and, then, and then you get the postgame show 
you know, different spaces and Worthy's like, oh, this team has a virus. It's just a terrible virus that <laughs> just can't <laughs> shake. And it's like, that's a little too soon, James. <laughs> that's a virus. And Derek Fisher's old sock face 2000 there because he got punched by Matt Barnes. <laughs> and it's just like, it's just a cacophony of misery. It's like different oh, circles of hell in every room. And it's just like a symphony and I, 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 I shouldn't bathe in their misery like I do. I mean, I bathe in their misery. <laughs> and my favorite thing ever is just to look up that tweet with the crown on it. Oh, yeah. And it says, please yeah. talk about my team and our personal ages. Keep that same energy. Our careers. Please, I beg you. <laughs> keep that same energy. Keep it. And it's just like, yeah, I'll keep it. <laughs> I'll keep that same energy. Oh, man. You already know. You already know. Oh, no. Oh, he's got his you own soundboard. Know. You already know. You already know. You already know. I had an air horn. I would wake up the whole neighborhood right oh, now. Man. I love it. Get him on Twitter at the old P. Uh, Petros, uh, we appreciate it as always. Uh, let's do it again next week. <laughs> Uh, the great Petros Papadagas. Uh, always fun. Amazing. Uh, catching up with the old P. Uh, unbelievable. Already <laughs> Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live.